Hello and welcome to the Phileas Club. This is a special episode for December 12th, 2009. Atheists for Dummies. Hello everyone and welcome to the Phileas Club, the show where we usually talk about the news that's been happening around the world in the past month with people from around the world. But, but today, as you heard, is a special episode, as we sometimes do. Uh, we did uh, Islam for Dummies, Girls for Dummies, which was a lot of fun, and a few others. And today we're doing a, a topic that is uh, very dear to my heart, which is Atheists for Dummies. I'll explain a little bit more about this in a few seconds, but before, I want to introduce the very fine panel that we have uh, today to discuss this topic. And first, I will be a gentleman and introduce the lady in the group, uh, Kirsten, also better known as Dr. Kiki. How are you doing, Kirsten? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you so much for accepting to be here. Uh, just so people know, you have a scientific background and you do yes. the show This Week in Science. So you're a very rational person. <laughs> I am. I'm probably rational to a fault some, sometimes a little bit. Um, I, I tend to break things down as much as possible. Which is interesting and good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, doesn't doesn't mean anything about your uh, other beliefs though and i think it's i'm sorry no i was gonna say and and i'm a and i'm a i'm a woman so you know i tend to be emotional as well it's <laughs> not just all ration <laughs> you know? that i'm sure that uh, logic this, and region yeah absolutely <laughs> uh the other person who is of a uh, scientific background is julio Our friend, uh, he's been on the show a couple of times before, maybe uh, more than that. And he is a space dude, as I like to say. Space dude. Video? That sounds much better than space geek. <laughs> <laughs> Not only is he a space dude, but he also has a, a lovely uh, Spanish or, you know, Latin American accent. And he will give us perspective from the countries uh, south of the American border, I guess. Which will be interesting because there are a lot of uh, people of faith. I guess, in Latin America. How are you doing, Julio? I'm doing fine, Patrick. Thank you for giving me this opportunity here. You're very welcome. I'm glad to have you. The third person is uh, the one, the only Tom Merritt uh, from many a show, not least of them uh, East Meets West. How are you doing, Tom? I'm doing well, Patrick. Thanks for having me on. Very welcome. I'm glad to represent the dummies in this Atheist for Dummies conversation. <laughs> I saw uh, the, the, the little uh, um, thing you did in Buzz Out Loud, uh, I think it was last week, where you were uh, representing the, the uh, how shall I put it? Please help me out. I'm I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go look at the previous uh, Buzz Out Loud episodes to uh, know what we're talking about. It was funny. I thought you were disturbingly good in that uh, role. Oh, But you were talking about the Buzz Report. Yeah, where I, w I um, was supposed to be representing the NASCAR fans. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say Buzz Out Loud? No. I mean, yeah, I, I, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you didn't. But yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the NASCAR uh, the, fan. The, I was trying to dress in, in my native costume. <laughs> It was very successful. And 
Uh, last uh, on the panel is my very good and dear friend, Sean Coons, who is uh, representing the men of the cloth in this uh, in this show. I and think women. you're going to be speaking for uh, Christianity <laughs> in its entirety. Are you comfortable with that? Um, even the weirdos? <laughs> yes. All of okay, them. sure. Yes, I can handle that. <laughs> all of Christendom. So... Um, <laughs> But for people who don't know, I guess some of you might might have heard of you, Sean, but they, not everyone knows that you're actually a, uh, what's your uh, actual title? Um, Pope. A Pope? Okay, good. <laughs> There's a couple of those that I know of, but uh, I didn't know you were one of them. Uh, Presbyterian <laughs> minister, I think? Yes, I'm a Presbyterian minister uh, in a Protestant denomination. Uh, about two million of us here in uh, America. Presbyterians, that is not. Presbyterian ministers. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for accepting uh, to be here. And uh, I hope that this conversation will be of, of value to both atheists and people of faith. Um, before we start the discussion, uh, this is, huh, can't speak, the discussion proper, I'd like to give a little bit of, uh, of background and explaining of why I wanted to do this show. Um, I feel like there is a lot of uh, polarization in the U.S. in this debate. Well, not even debate, in this uh, discussion, as there is for many, many things in the U.S. And I've heard, um, I've discussed with a lot of people, uh, as you've you'll, you're going to understand this, it's mostly a U.S.-centric uh, show. Um, and a lot of people in the U.S. have been telling me that they are I wouldn't say afraid, but cautious about saying that they are atheists because they are afraid they would be not shunned, but a little bit um, uh, regarded differently by their their uh, families and communities. And it was very surprising to me because in France, at least, we really, really don't have a, an issue with this. It's... We li live in peace. Um, we're probably more atheistic than other countries. We have a tradition of um, of making sure that religion stays out of most of our public uh, public life, government, education. Which isn't to say that we don't have people of faith in in, in this country. We have a majority of, I would say, uh, Christian um, population. But the two, first of all don't really mix one doesn't really try to influence the other and most of all we are it's absolutely not an issue we don't try to to convince other people of our way of thinking we don't try to influence their lives with our beliefs and it it was very surprising to me that in in the US which is you know a country of uh, freedom of of uh, speech sometimes people feel a little bit afraid of speaking up Um, and, and it was especially surprising when I heard that, for example, the, the black community represents, I think, roughly 13% of the population. And by, by the numbers that we have, the recent ones, the atheist community represents more than that. It's 16% of the population. And, and it seems like there sh it shouldn't be an issue, basically. Um, so I'm going to turn to the people from the U.S., so Tom, uh, Kirsten, and Sean first, mm -hmm. to ask if this is an accurate uh, uh, representation of the situation there, or am I being mistaken because maybe I spoke to, to a 
not representative uh, uh, part of the you know population. Um, I don't know who wants to go. For I it. think I think that there is a certain amount of fear of for people, but it is opening up more recently um there there's been a billboard campaign uh that w in which it says uh don't believe in god you're not alone and it's big billboards that they're putting around in uh in population centers around the united states but on the other side of that there was a there were death threats i think for or there was some kind of i don't remember exactly what this, what what happened but there was a a public rebuttal of the of the billboards by some faction of the Christian community, and it, it resulted in a billboard being taken down by the company that owns the billboard location because they were afraid for their lives. Oh wow! Okay, I, I yeah, yeah. The, the cult the culture is complicated uh, in the United States. I think there are far more people who don't mind what your religious beliefs are or lack of them than mm -hmm. not. I, I really think the majority of, of people in the U.S. Uh, are tolerant. However, there is a very vocal and very strident minority on both ends that yeah. will come at you if you're anywhere but in the middle. So if you're an atheist, there, there's going to be these people who, are, who will, they'll, they'll stop following you on Twitter and not listen to your podcast, you know, in my, my business, or they'll just berate mm -hmm. you in society and not want to talk to you. And, and, and so it makes it not worth it to put out there uh, that you're an atheist, if you are, because you're going to receive some kind of negative feedback and vice versa uh when in living in austin texas and definitely in the san francisco area there's an opposite reaction from some atheists if you're religious if you're very religious you're considered a kook and a crank and it's really? and it makes it and it makes it uncomfortable for some people to express their religious beliefs in company because they're going to be you know branded as some kind of loon not for having fundamentalist beliefs necessarily, just for believing in God at all. So it's it's the extreme ends, in my opinion, that really make it this uncomfortable thing that most reasonable people are just like, you know what, I'm just not going to bring it up. But yeah. So, oh, sorry, Kirsten, go ahead. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say that I think that's exactly it, that most people, the majority, uh, don't bring it up in conversation. They're not going to. I think a lot of this stems from the... Uh, scientific areas of debate right now, the evolution creationism debate, the, um, you know, this vocal minority who don't want, uh, who don't want evolution taught in schools, they want creationism or intelligent design taught in schools. And, and then there's been a backlash from that, from the other extreme side saying, attacking the religious end. Um, and, and so that it's, it's escalating. It's gotten to a point where these two, two sides are going against each other so consistently that it is escalating and just getting worse. Mm. It, it does feel like, yeah, it is a very polarized situation. And uh, Tom, I always admire you because you always seem to to, to want to balance the situation out and, and say, you know, some people think this way and the other people are going to uh, express themselves in the opposite way. And, and you, it's basically equal on both sides. But I really feel, I might be mistaken here, I don't want to say that the situation is like this, but I really feel like some people would be uncomfortable saying that they are atheists and it wouldn't be the same 
situation, except maybe, you know, in San Francisco and Austin, which are two very specific uh, habitats, I'll say. Habitats. Uh, <laughs> they wouldn't be. You can find the native <laughs> in their habitats yeah, exactly. of San Francisco. But uh, except, except for those two uh, uh, yeah, habitats, people would default to being religious, I would think. Is that... Well, sure. Yeah, I, th I think you're right. I mean, I think the areas, uh, I, I, I shouldn't try to represent it as there are just as many places where the religious feel uncomfortable as the okay. atheists, because that's not true. You're right. There are, there are definitely more, there are fewer places where the atheists rule <laughs> than, <laughs> than, the, than the religious, uh, San Francisco and Austin being exceptions. And, and there are a few other places, little college towns and 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 places like that. So, okay. so yeah, I, I think on the on the whole, if you're going to pick a side to get by on, you would probably in most places uh, choose to be seen as religious. But even, uh, my my dog my dog, dog agrees. Your yeah. <laughs> dog agree? No, no, he's arguing with you. I, I think <laughs> I think <laughs> I, I think my a, a relative of mine moved from California um, uh, in the Bay Area, and then he moved to Georgia for a while. He's he's atheist, and his experience was he moved from this area where nobody cared which church he attended or you know what his beliefs were, and then he moved when he moved to Georgia. Everybody he met said, "Oh, have you picked a church yet? Are you w what church are you attending? Where are you going?" It's a, it's very much part of the social construct, the way that communities are built in these er in in areas that maybe aren't as dense as you know the San Francisco Bay Area or New York City or you know I feel like there's there's some there's some difference in the way the communities exist in different areas that that makes yeah, it more important. I grew up in a very, uh, very Protestant town as a Catholic. Uh, it was there's a Free Methodist college, and if you don't know about the Free Methodists, they're a denomination that are very similar to the Southern Baptists. They don't believe in drinking, dancing, smoking. They only recently, in the past couple of decades, uh, started to allow their their folks to go to movies. Uh, so that you know they're very strict and. As a Catholic kid growing up in this situation, it was sort of like, well, you're free Methodist would be the best thing to be. And then if you're not free Methodist, then United Methodist is okay, although they're a little <laughs> bit of a hippie type place. But wow, Catholic? Really? It was almost like being an atheist. Mm. Uh, there wow. was a girl I liked in junior high that I asked to go with me, and she couldn't because I was Catholic and her mom would not allow it. Mm. Wow. All right. I think you can okay. even throw a, a different dimension into here versus stating I am an atheist, I am a Christian, I am Jewish, and versus acting. I think stating you're an atheist, you're going to get more looks and more huh versus stating you're religious. But there are plenty of places where acting like an atheist is much more acceptable than acting like whatever your faith is. And yeah. uh, talking mm -hmm. about your religious beliefs in a public conversation versus not ever talking about religion. Um, so I think there are places where acting out your faith is viewed kind of funny, where acting like an well, atheist, whatever, well, what, or acting what non-religious, I guess. What do you yeah, mean by I, acting out your faith? Yeah. It, like going like to if church? I'm, if I'm somewhere, you know, I used to golf, and I would often golf alone, so I'd be paired up with folks. I wouldn't want to tell them I'm a minister because things change in that dynamic. Um, and, well, and I yeah, kind of it, it would funny. be expected to, but 
but it's because now they're expecting me to act a certain different way. And, it, and there, there are plenty of situations where if I say something like, you know, we're talking about something that's like, well, I believe God believes this or the Bible says this, I'm going to get real funny looks because religion is kind of a touchy subject. And, and so I think for the most part in a lot of public discourse and a lot of public interaction, people act like atheists or at least act like they don't have uh, religion or it's not a factor in their life. Yeah, I, I agree. If, if I if I atheists than stated atheists. If I <laughs> bring up a Bible parable or a Bible story in, in, in a in a conversation, just just as an example of something, you, I get funny looks. You know, it's as if you know, if I bring up something from Greek philosophy or mythology, I don't get the same Old funny fiction. look. Yeah, hmm. I, I think there's also a really interesting. Uh, I, and I don't know if it's if it's it's probably just in the atheist kind of skeptic camp um, that belief is almost a bad word these days in those areas. It's like I, I've come across it where I say I, I believe this, and I'm stating what I'm thinking, what I believe, and oh oh, you're you, it's like a religion. Then you're not you're not a scientist anymore. You're religious, and I'm like, well, no, that's a belief. It's just it's different. And so I think there's also a um, a turning against just this idea of people believing. Really? I have, I have yeah. a very, um, I, I, that's an important point because I, I make a very fine distinction between belief and faith. And I, I think belief is the province of science where you're using data to collect a belief and you have confidence yeah. in that belief up to a certain point based on the data you have. And you can change your beliefs right. when you find other data. And Right. And so when people say, what do you believe? Well, do you believe in Jesus? Well, yeah, I believe there was a person named Jesus that existed. But that's not asking whether I have faith. That's, right. that's the religious question to me. That's a whole different thing. You, you don't have to believe at all to have faith. That's, that's the religious side. Belief is the data side. Hmm. Um, I, this is definitely an interesting uh, part of the conversation, but before we, we move on to that aspect, I'd like to um, tackle the topic of atheism as the way it is perceived by people who are not atheists, and in a very basic way, because I've, I've been uh, asked questions in you know theoretical debates with people from who found me on the blog or you know were discussing other things through email and and things like that and i've been asked a, a few questions or we've discussed a few things that were kind of surprising to me with people asking you know if you don't have a god if you don't have uh, you know if you don't have the Bible to follow, then certainly you wouldn't have, uh, <laughs> again, the dog agrees. Sorry. Doesn't. Uh, oh, that's fine. Um, and, and then if you don't have the Bible to follow, then you surely do, you don't have morals. And what's the point of, uh, you know, following rules? And that was surprising to me because, again, in France, we don't have um, uh, our... our I guess religion and morals are not based on the same, you know, they don't necessarily come from the same uh, basis. You can have morals and you can have religion and they are two completely separate things. And I, I was surprised that people would think that without religion, you, you can't basically you would go out and kill people or certainly they don't <laughs> believe that exactly. But if you don't have the Ten Commandments telling you what to do, 
then you sort of take morals outside of your you know life or society even and i thought that was a surprising way of viewing things um uh, maybe I can ask uh, Julio what what the situation is in in you know Latin America because he's been very quiet, and it, it, which Latin America or and Argentina specifically where you come from is is quite religious. Is there that, that same kind of uh, you know feeling that if you take more uh, religion out of things, you take morals out of it also? Uh, well, I, I I was quiet because um, it's kind of hard to compete with these guys <laughs> but um, uh, I think uh, first I wanted to comment on, on, on what you're saying about morals versus religion uh, I do not believe that just because you don't have a religion you are not you're not you're going to harm other people or go killing people that is obviously not the case well yeah that's I, an exaggeration but you know the fact that you wouldn't have morals without religion no of course of uh, that, that, that's my point uh, i don't think morals are attached to a religion and i think it's even more ethical to say uh i'm i don't harm people because i have a more i have moral values that say that instead of i don't do bad things to people just because i'm afraid that some god will punish me mm. I don't know. I I think then from the then in Argentina, uh, Argentina is not as religious I think as other countries in in Latin America, as they are usually portrayed in TV. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, right. um, Buenos Aires in particular, um, we still have a important Catholic population, but uh, yeah, you, if you like John said before, if you go and express your religiousness, people look at you funny. They're, uh, let's say, mostly the older people or the ones related to the military are the ones that are still present in church or, or following a religion. But most of the young people, they might say they are Christians or Catholics, but they don't really follow the rules or they don't follow the conventions like going to church on Sundays or, or anything like that. So you, you can say they behave like atheists, although I don't even think they, I, I don't even, they are not even thinking if they are atheists or Christians. It's just what they, their parents told them, you're Catholic, that's it. But it's not so present. And if you claim to be an atheist, it's fine. No, you're not going to get any kind of uh, discredit from the society or anything. Sean, what's your um, uh, stance toward atheists and, uh, you know, the lack of moral that they, they, uh, that, that they have because they don't believe in God, as you certainly believe? Um, my wife's uncle <laughs> is part agnostic, part atheist, uh, probably one of the most studied people I know on religion, period. And, and I tried to find this quote but he, he kind of, and I couldn't find it, and maybe he just made it up. But at one point he said, you know, the problem of religion is how do you explain evil? And the problem of atheism is how do you explain good? And, and what I've heard people express is that certainly everyone has morals, and morals are not dependent on religion. But if your morals are not dependent on some higher authority or some outside source, what are they based on, and how do you have shared morals? And how do you know those shared morals are right and wrong without something to measure against. Personally, I don't concern myself with those kind of arguments. I think there's a lot more important things to worry about. But that is how I've heard that question asked, is how do you have shared morals and what do you measure those morals against? How do you know that what we're agree on isn't, isn't just selfish, 
and in our best interests, and it's not based on right and wrong. Right. But if it's selfish and in your best interest, but it helps the group, then the group survives and everybody's happy. <laughs> I, well, I think, yeah. How, how, how do you have morals is a very interesting sociological, anthropological question. But religion animal behavior. Answers, answers it no better than, yeah, animal behavior. It, it, religion answers it no better than, than atheism because right. re- different religions have different morals mm-hmm. and a different, even different sections of religion and factions of religion obviously look at islam there's the whole you know that's one religion supposedly but there are lots of different morals in different sections and different ways of believing so you know it, it you you can maintain your religiosity and pick a church that fits your morals already and that could be driven by selfishness hmm. oh certainly and and i would say most often it's not even driven by selfishness it's driven by where you grew up and what your parents and family and community believed yeah, I'd like to say at this point that um, I, it feels like often uh, people of faith and you know religious people and and atheists are put on the same level of vin- vindictiveness. I would say it, not necessarily that all of them are vindictive, but religious people have a um, an imperative if you want to take it to an extreme to save other people because if you believe that you are going to go to heaven if you have um uh if you have been baptized and you know you you accept Jesus Christ as your savior for example in the case of Christianity with it, which is our main topic here you do believe maybe not everyone but certainly if you go by you know a, a strict uh, teaching of, of the bible you do believe that if you don't accept jesus christ and if you haven't been baptized you are under you know the original sin and you are going to go to hell so there is a sort of strong moral or you know ethical dilemma here to most people won't go that deep into it but there it is somewhere in the in within you know the this debate but mm-hmm. on the other side, atheists, I'm sure Sean will have something to say about this, and I want to give him the talking stick afterwards. But on the <laughs> other, other side, atheists, I think, don't really have an agenda. And often people say, hmm. you know, science is atheists' uh, agenda. And I wouldn't mm. equate it because, you know, atheists don't really care one way or another. I mean, if atheists are right, then when they die, there's nothing. And well you know you you don't you don't go to hell or heaven and it sort of sucks and if they're wrong they're probably going to go to hell because they didn't believe in god so it's not like atheists are trying to convince everyone you know just stop believing i, I don't think so stop believing in god because look at this wonderful li- uh, afterlife of nothingness that awaits you it's not like you can defend this this idea easily and that you would have an agenda to save the world or something um, I'm tr- I'm Have sure you read Richard Dawkins? That is a special case, I would say. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, please, Sean, go ahead. Tell us what you think about you know this specific point. I would say for the most part you're right, That at least in terms of atheists. I think I would say a number of people in this country and probably over the world, I'm familiar with our country, are practical atheists, whether they say so or not. And for the most part, yeah, they, they really don't care. They're not out to convince anyone you know they believe what they believe and that's fine 
Um, I think Richard Dawkins and kind of the militant atheists group, their position is religion is harming the world. It has harmed the world. And so, yes, they're not, they want to convert you to atheism, not because of any afterlife, because you religious people are screwing up this life. So I think you do have that crowd. It's a minority, of a small minority, I believe. Mm. But can, can I ask yeah. you, can I ask something there? Um, I, I have the feeling that when religious people try to convert an atheist to their religion or from one religion to the other one, uh, most people think, well, maybe I don't want to, but he's trying to do me a favor. He's trying to do a nice thing. But if an atheist is trying to convince a religious person uh, about not having a religion, immediately it has a bad connotation. It seems that the, this atheist guy is a bastard because he's militant about trying to tell you that maybe there are, there are another option to, to have a religion. So I don't know if you perceive that as well sometimes. I, I, I certainly, personally, yeah, I, I, do, I didn't really think about it like that, but it's sort of okay to think, to try and, well, not con necessarily convert militantly someone, but, you know, tell them, well, this is what I believe in, religion is like this. And again, we could go back to the difference in, you know, unbalanced situation. But when you say, you know, if I, if I go out in the street and say, God doesn't exist, you're all idiots, then a certain... You're just name calling. Yeah, sir, yeah, I guess. Which would be probably taken badly if, uh, if someone, if some religious person was saying, you know, God does exist and you're all idiots. I agree there with, with your position, but sometimes also if you're trying to explain it in a nice and polite way, uh, the theories that are out there about, you know, evolution, crea uh, creation of the universe... Big one and all that. You, you try to explain it to. I, at least I had experience. If I try to explain it to a person that is very religious, they tend to be very defensive about it. And, and, I'm, and I'm not name calling or anything, but they mm -hmm. immediately go to the resource of saying, "Oh, but uh, that's because you don't have faith," and that's the end of the conversation. And I then I, I have to end feel like a bastard because I'm trying to get them. Uh, out of the religion for a moment. Mm. That, that is my point. I was not saying, oh, you, God exists or doesn't, and then right. you're, uh, that name-calling, of course, is going to be not well-received by anyone. Yeah. It seems like there's a gradation, right? If you're, uh, if you're a Protestant Christian of uh, one brand of Lutheranism, and you're talking to uh, someone from the Missouri Synod versus, you know, another mm -hmm. brand, then that's that's almost no big deal. Yeah, you might try. It's almost like a friendly rivalry. Well, we we believe this, and you still believe that, and whatever. Then it escalates into well, it's a it's a Presbyterian versus a Lutheran, and and the, then it becomes a little more, but it's still very friendly. Then it becomes Catholic versus Protestantism, and that's got a little more bite to it. But then it becomes Christian versus Islam, Christian versus Buddhism, and those become big discussions. But they're still acceptable. You're at least you're religious in that conversation, but then you're right. Yeah. When, when, when an atheist comes in, suddenly it's like, well, you're, you're godless and you're trying to corrupt me. There is that sort of, you know, that sort of thing. And I think Dawkins and Pendulette and a lot of those more outspoken atheists tend to give that impression that if someone is atheist, they are militantly atheist. Otherwise, they wouldn't call themselves atheists because how can you not believe in God at all? I mean, even those heathen Buddhists believe in a god of some sort. What do you, you know, there, there is that sort of patina about it. And the thing is, you can't really combat that because if you're, if you're a quiet atheist who isn't militant, then you're not going to be talking about it. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Yeah, it, is, it seems like, and what, what you're getting at there also is the fact that as an atheist, you are in the world minority. You know, right. the, the majority mm-hmm. of people do have religion of some sort. And so you're immediately starting a conversation um, from a position of not having a lot of support, a lot of a, a large community to fall back on, um, even if it is one religion with uh, against another religion, what have you. Um, and, it, and, and, it, and it does turn into the militant voice because those are the people who yell the loudest. And if the majority of people are just thinking, I, we, we all believe in something, um, doesn't matter what it is that we're believing in, then, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not having to yell as much. You know, I think you you might uh, all collectively here might have pinpointed the exact reason why I wanted to to do this show, which is by not speaking out or by not by uh, atheists by not saying that they are atheists or by having so few voices in that arena, it sort of does become a big deal when someone does say something. Whereas the situation here is uh, here I mean in France is that you know some of us are atheists some of the, some of us are christians some of us are, are uh, you know um muslims and people don't really turn around when you say something like that or look at you funny because you're just you know one of the people who has a characteristic like being blonde or or a brunette or whatever mm-hmm. you know it's not that much a big deal because there are many different people like this and we all coexist in peace and it does seem like if in in the US these 16% of atheists did come out and say well i'm an atheist not a big deal and you don't you know i don't really want to convert you or say anything about your religion and it's not a big issue to me maybe things would be more smooth i i would think maybe i'm mistaken it would it would just be you know uh, republicans versus democrats all over (laughs) uh, i don't know sean what's your what's your uh um position on you know i I did ask you a little bit before but you didn't really uh we talked about something else afterwards uh do you have atheist friends and does it go you know does it become polarized straight away or do you only frequent you know um religious people i only hang out in christian bars Um, (laughs) except no i I mean i've got got friends i mean just because of i work at a church that's where i interact with people you know i went to seminary where people are training to be ministers so i can't say that oh yeah i've got scads of atheist friends but i come into contact and know all sorts of people um so what me, do you think will? Oh, I'm sorry, please. Okay, no, go ahead. What would you think will happen to them after death, and no. aren't they going to go to hell or something? Well, funny you should ask. If you go to my <laughs> blog, um, no, seriously, I actually just finished on my blog, which I don't write on very much, a, a three-part series on hell and why it's important for Christians to articulate their understanding of the afterlife, because this is probably a huge thing why people don't like Christians, uh, some people. Um, my position is it's in God's hands. And I believe the Bible has some pretty clear instructions for what is called salvation, eternal life. But more than that, I believe that 
there's a loving God who loves and cares for us and will never give up on anyone. And it's not up to me to determine who goes where. And so I'm going to follow the road I know. And I will hope and pray for others and, and trust them to the hands of a loving God. So for me, no, I will never tell anyone you are going to hell. Well, I will tell them well, here is how I see the best way to do things. But th- this is all well and good and, and super happy times. But imagine that someone is not baptized. He is still, you know, he still has the original sin stink all over him, doesn't he? And he will go to hell. Um, I mean, doctrinally, that's not quite... Oh. Uh, you and your exactitude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm just saying, if, here is the, the position kind of generally of, of my tradition, my church, mm. uh, is yes, people are, are saved, if you want to use that language, only through Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, and actually, traditionally, we have some really wacky beliefs in terms of election and predestination, but I think most modern-day Presbyterians don't really go there anymore. Okay. Um, so, the position of my church, and this is kind of what I wrote about my blog, because there were ministers being examined uh, at a Presbytery meeting, which is one of our uh, ge- government church government gatherings, and they were asked what they believed about hell. And there was reluctance on their part to say, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are going to hell. Hmm. Um, and in some ways, to put it too simply, that is what our church teaches. But even more than that, our church teaches that God is love, and God is completely sovereign, and God can do whatever the heck God wants to do. And no rule or no interpretation that we say, this person has to go to hell, is going to limit God because we can't limit God. So, for those of us who just don't want to come out and say, yes, this person is going to hell because they didn't do this, we say, God is free to do whatever God is free to do. Now, I know the way that it says, it's, one of my, here's an here's a illustration I use. Sorry to take so long. When my wife and I were getting married, we got married in this little small town in Kentucky. And it had hills and mountains, and I had no idea how to get anywhere, except I knew how to get from her house, her parents' house, to the church. And Carrie, one day, my wife says, let me tell you a better way to go. And I said, no, I don't want to know a better way. I know how to get there. And this is, and she's like, this is better. And she tried to tell me this way and that way. And I said, I'm sure there's better ways. I'm sure there's other ways, but this is the way I know. And so, I'm going to use it. And for me, that's where my faith is. This is the way I know I'm going to use it. There may be other ways. I don't know. There may be better ways. I don't know. This is the way I know. So, I'm going to stick with it. That's incredibly stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> We can all be that way. Oh, and it's, Kirsten, that's, that's the way I'm that. sorry, you're getting the uh, one-hour USB uh, side uh, log. Uh, Can you unplug will, and plug that in? That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bonus of using the Plantronics. <laughs> okay, is that better? Am I yes. back? Fantastic. Yay, Plantronics one hour. <laughs> the time limit, yeah. Um, yeah, I was just going to say that... It, I think that's just an um, an example of ev- of what everyone can do. We all have our our upbringing, the way that we look at the world from our own experiences, and what we have come to decide is the best way for us. And I think the number of people who are really truly open minded in and and able to change the way that they live their life based on someone else's suggestions or evidence. I mean. 
that number of people is very small and i look up to those people Mm. (laughs) i'm yeah i'm a a stubborn person too so (laughs) oh yeah i'm super stubborn too i mean i i I was making fun of sean here but certainly i wouldn't be any better yeah now i grew up believing and through college and actually into seminary that you know if and I, I wouldn't tell people this, but if it came down in conversation and it came up with what I believe, said, yeah, unless you verbally confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you will go to hell. Um, I, I was raised in a more evangelical conservative uh, tradition, and I didn't want that to be true, but my understanding of the Bible at that point told me it was true. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if I really changed or just learned m- new information that uh, helped me to believe more what I felt. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Hard to say. Well, yeah. Okay. Let's not, I, I, again, I don't want to make this, this show is more about, about Christianity you know, than atheism. Yeah, exactly. I don't want to make this show about the, you know, a study of, of Christianity and, and the, uh, uh, issues of hell and, and stuff like that. But I think this also serves a certain purpose in our discussion, which is we basically discussed very, for just five minutes here, very important parts of faith and atheism and Christianity. And I really feel that, Sean, this is not the first time that we've had a discussion like this. And it's always very cordial. And more than anything else, it doesn't involve our whole uh, being. Like, I, I don't, if I disagree with you on something, or if I think, you know, I, I find your thoughts on one thing interesting, but uh, maybe not uh, that don't fit my beliefs in another, it doesn't mean that I'm going to hate you for this. It's just one part of our personalities that do differ somehow. And uh, it might be super cliche here, but uh, thank God that we, well, well, that wasn't planned, but thank God we have. Uh, <laughs> thank dog. Thank yeah, uh, thank God we have different opinions and things, and we can discuss them. Because if we didn't, if we all thought the the same, it would be super depressing of a life, right? But what does bother me a little bit is how uh, people get engrossed in this one topic, whatever the topic is, but especially for religion, and decide that if you don't believe what I believe, then I'm going to hate you forever and think that you're scum, which is, again, I'm coming back to what the situation is in France. We don't have a problem with that, and we don't have a problem with someone thinking differently than we do on most topics. So I think this is a good illustration of that. And uh, I don't know, anything you guys want to want to add to this uh, part of the conversation? Yeah, it seems that uh, what we're what we're dancing around here is the importance of believing something. Uh, it, it, most religions feel like they're the right religion, or else they wouldn't be very good at being a religion. <laughs> um, so that you know, that's an underpinning of it. And and, yeah, and, and what b- atheism way, says is b- is Tom, not just uh, what I'm sorry. Just sorry. Uh, just <laughs> just wanted to say here because I wanted to say it before uh, there is what roughly one billion Christian of all Christian people in the world, which means there's about four to five billion people of other beliefs and very often in our you know judeo-christian societies we tend to think of religion as christianity but there is a lot of other things also so we shouldn't even you know christian people uh, should realize that there are also other kinds of beliefs beyond just uh, atheism 
Well, yeah, and I, I was thinking that too earlier, which is, you know, Christianity has a uh, a plank that Sean alluded to that's like, you know, you should evangelize to a certain amount. You should tell people about Christianity. Islam, obviously, has a plank that it, if you're not Islamic, then, you know, you're, you're screwed. You need to eventually become Islamic. Uh, I don't think... Judaism has that, but it it doesn't seem as evangelical necessarily. Well, no, uh, you can't become, you know, not necessarily, you can't, you're one of the chosen, you know, people and tribe, and if you're not, then you're screwed. Oh, no, you're, if you're Sammy Davis, you can become Jewish. I mean, well. but, but you, you can convert it's, uh, to, to Judaism. But yeah. but my point is, there, there, like you're saying, there are a lot of other religions that don't have that uh, as strong of an undercurrent of like, oh, if you're not one of us, then you know you're you're left out. However, all of them think they're right. All of the Buddhism, Zoroastrianism, uh, whatever you 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 want to throw out there. Pastafarianism, yeah, Scientology. They, yeah. <laughs> well, that's not a religion. <laughs> However, well, they, legally, that's a whole. They, they they Not call themselves a they they call themselves a religion for tax purposes at least so yeah it, it depends on what country you're in whether whether they uh, oh whether in France in France I'm fairly certain it's banned the other the other thing about Scientology is that they don't consider themselves a replacement for a religion that's the side thing yeah. you can be a Baptist minister and be a Scientologist right well, that's the, that's the only way Baptists would agree with that. Yeah, that's the only way to sell Scientology to all the religious people. That was pretty cl a very clever move, actually. It's yeah, a yeah. brilliant marketing ploy. Maybe we should but, try that. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you can be an atheist, but you can still be Catholic. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but, well, that's and, and actually, that's it, Julio, right? You can't be an atheist and be any other religion. So you've rejected not just a religion, you've rejected all religions and i think that's what yep. makes it more of a divisive situation when you have a conversation and have you really tried them all you know is that very fair can you really be an <laughs> yeah. atheist you've tried every religion that's right <laughs> how can you say you don't like brussels sprouts have you tried <laughs> brussels sprouts all right um i would like to touch on something that we did um talk about a little bit and that does come up very often when you talk about atheism versus religion or and religion um, and that's the issue of creationism and maybe to an extent uh, the young earth uh, theory. And the reason why I wanted to talk about it is that um, I really feel like religion and science don't really have to be um, opposites all the time as they are often portrayed. You know, they, people usually say, well, if you're a science is your, is your side's religion, for example. Um, and I really f feel it's not the case. And moreover, I feel like um, young earth theory, which I'm reluctant to call a theory, and um, creationism to an extent, are gaining a sort of air of respectability as scientific fact, the more people are, are pushing them. And I did discuss on, on one of my um, blog articles the fact that um, I don't think it's okay for people to validate young earth belief, as I like to call it, the young earth belief uh, as a theory, because it's really not a theory in the scientific uh, sense. And I'd like to take a few minutes here to explain um, why I, I think that and why I think it's a disservice to us as a society to elevate that belief to the the, the rank or to qualify it as a, as a theory. Kirsten, I, I think you wanted to say something. 
Oh yeah, go go ahead with with what okay. you were going to say, but I definitely want to address this uh, this issue. Okay, um, and Sean, you you did when I said I wanted to talk about this, you um, uh, came back to me with a, a concern, I'd say, um, w which you wanted to make clear. M maybe I, it's easier if I if I uh, give you the the talking stick again for for a second, and then we can go on. Um. Just real, real simple. I, I just didn't want to see this brought up as because you have people who believe young Earth and advocated and intelligent design and advocated as this should be taught in school as scientific theory. That's not shouldn't be reflective of a disclaimer. This is not reflective of all Christians or all religious people. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's it's good to make this clear because I'm sure that some uh, people of faith get frustrated when when they get um, you know blanket statemented into this, and I also don't want to to you know alienate or or anger people who believe this. Uh, this is not about necessarily convincing you that you know this or that, even though I do have a strong belief in, in one sense, but I really want to explain to people why these are two different things. And one of the key aspects is the use of the word theory and the fact that th there is a lot of blurring of two meanings of, a the of theory. Um, one is the scient hardcore scientific uh, meaning of a theory, which is a a an idea you put forth and that you try to prove scientifically. And that is, if you manage to, to equate to uh, a, a an accurate description of reality enough, then you will accept it as a scientific fact, which only means mm -hmm. it is accepted as long as it's not being disproven. And at one point, things, ideas like, I don't know, the earth is round. At first, it was a very controversial idea, and it got people in trouble, as you know. But at one point, you have enough empirical and, and scientific evidence that you will accept it as, you know, 99.9999999% true. And even in this, you know, there's still the possibility that we are all being dreamt by some weird creature, and the earth is not actually round, and we're all mistaken. But, you know, it's mostly accepted. And then there's the other idea, uh, you know, the other meaning of theory, which is just an idea. You know, it's I think that this is the way it is. And the uh, young earth theory, of, or maybe even uh, some uh, strands of creationism, are this second kind of theory. They're just, let's say that this is the case. Uh, let's say that uh, the earth got created 5,000 years ago. And I understand this is what the literal Bible says, which is another issue that I'll go back to later probably, but it's just some idea that you had and you think that it is probably true. And so people who are defending the young earth theory are saying, listen, this is a theory. The, the, the young earth theory is a theory. And the evolution theory, the theory of evolution, is also a theory. So they're basically the same. But they're really, 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 really not. Uh, not. Which is why I, I, I want to call the young earth theory the young earth belief, because there is really no I don't even want to say scientific basis for it because it's not even about this. There's no basis for it. I had a lot of discussion with a lot of people about this. And you have a lot of people who say, well, lots of scientists are rejecting the theory of evolution. And lots of and, and these scientists are taking the theory of, of, you know, the younger theory as their own belief. And and you 
dig dig a little bit deeper and you're like okay so you don't think this is right you don't think this is true so what how what does substantiate your belief and they usually go back to well it says so in the bible faith it's all it's all yeah. about faith and so th this is why i really i really think they are two different things and you can't really take both of them on the same level and maybe we can discuss this a little bit more but kirsten you've been biting your you know time and you want to say something <laughs> yeah i, I I think you've you've hit on the point, and Julio hit on the point. It, it is a question of faith, and it comes back to looking at the Bible as uh, a just-so story, and that everything in the Bible is the way that um, that things happened, and the use of the young earth theory, that term, yeah, is, is let's call it belief. Language. Let's call it right, young right. earth belief. But I, I would, right, but the use of the word theory is co-opting scientific language hmm. um, to make it sound like it's um, a, a more credible idea. Now, it is uh, potentially a hypothesis, or it would have been at one point, and people could have looked at this hypothesis scientifically, but the the reality is, is that there has been no scientific evidence that supports that hypothesis. So, as a hypothesis, the Young Earth hypothesis should have been thrown out. However, there are people who want to see this faith-based idea continue in the population and to grow in the number of people who who believe in it. And so what they're doing is they're starting to use the media and people's misunderstanding of the scientific process and even of science in general and lack of education in certain areas to um, to get people to believe it more. They're publishing, they're creating unaccredited journals They're publishing in un these unaccredited journals. They're publishing in, in all sorts of places and then saying, look, it's a scientific paper that was published that supports this hypothesis. However, that scientific paper is not peer-reviewed in the way that the rest of the scientific literature is peer-reviewed. And so within science and the domain of science, it doesn't hold any water. And so, but people don't know the difference. And so what we're seeing is this uh, this misuse of the media and people's misunderstanding of science to be able to push these ideas to a greater, greater portion of the population. Hmm. Science does not, uh, science is designed Good science is designed not to allow the emotional decision-making that we have wired into us to affect mm -hmm. the results. That's, that's what the scientific method is for. It's to trick us humans into not affecting the data, not affecting the observations, and trying to allow us to see something without our own filters. What's happening in all of these debates is that they're not being carried out in scientific ways. They're being carried out in public ways, the way a politician does a campaign. And so it almost becomes impossible to debate because mm -hmm. you're not in a laboratory. You're not in a peer-reviewed situation. You're, you're in a debate like this one. And so yep. it, all kinds of rhetorical devices can be used to cast doubt. I mean, Kirsten's saying that these journals aren't scientific. Who's she to say that they're not scientific? <laughs> Just because they're not part of this establishment that has a prejudice against younger theory doesn't mean that they're wrong. Right, that's and that person has... Yeah, and this person has a PhD, so they must be an expert, never mind that they're a PhD in something that is completely unrelated, or they have a PhD from an online university. Well, you're just prejudiced against, and you're trying to keep <laughs> that online university down because they know I'm, the truth. 
And you're trying I, to silence their voice, Kirsten. I am the man. I am the man. Well, it's a very it's a very good question, though. How how what does this? I mean, I, I think I know what what makes this different from something else. But how can we articulate this in a way that's understandable for people? One person on 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 the blog post that I did said. Scientific people are frustrated with these discussions because every time a discussion like this occurs, people go back to such fundamental misunderstanding of of what the scientific method and process is that they need to explain basically one plus one equals two all over again every single time. And it does get frustrating. And I think that um, the, the most annoying thing in this is that They do try by using this word theory. The, the defenders of the younger theory, uh, the younger uh, belief or theory, uh, <laughs> are trying to give themselves and their movement the respectability of science, which it has, it doesn't have at all. And if you, the the, the way to go about this scientifically disproves young Earth uh, theory, and it's perfectly. Let me make one thing clear. It's perfectly okay to believe that, but you, in order to believe it, you need to forego science, scientific, uh, you know, the scientific method and the, 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 the benefits of science. And what I have a problem with is people making sort of a disconnect, thinking, well, I believe, you know, that the Bible is literally true, and so this um, uh, idea of the Young Earth theory is also true, or, you know, creationism. And I'm okay with this, but then I also want to use my iPod. If you mm -hmm. use your iPod, you are accepting, or, yeah, of course, I, I'm saying, you know, iPod as a, as, a, as a joke, but if you accept all of these, then you are accepting the scientific method. And you can't really accept antibi antibiotics or airplanes or even the fact that the Earth is round. And also accept the the young earth uh, theory it's on the level you know there are many 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 different debates where you can argue ad nauseum about what is right and what is wrong and not necessarily only in you know religious matters you can have debates on on death penalty on the right to bear arms on on freedom of speech on complicated issues and lots of lots of things where i will never say This is the way it is, and discuss, you know, and, and this is plain wrong. But in the case of young Earth theory, it's just it, it, thinking that the Earth is 5,000 years old, or that man sprang into existence sometime a few hundred thousand years ago, just as he is now, is on the level of believing that the Earth is flat. It's the same, you know, the same amount of. Um, of validity as an idea so it Patrick, does irk me a lot yeah sorry can i share a uh, scientific controversy with you I'm i don't afraid. think enough attention has been uh, given to the to the theory of intelligent attraction uh the scientific establishment is really pushing this idea of gravity but if you actually <laughs> investigate it there is a lack of evidence or natural explanation for gravitons the physicists admit it Uh, and there is an inconsistency between quantum theory and the theory of gravity. 
All of this gravitational theory is not based on direct <laughs> observation uh, and often reflects inferences from indirect or circumstantial evidence. I believe that the Earth has an intelligent attraction to keep things that are important down. And I think this theory needs to be taught in schools. Teach the controversy. Well, I'm sure that a lot wow. of people a lot of people are laughing now, and maybe some of the, the people who believe in the young Earth uh, theory are laughing also and saying, ha, 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 you know, intelligent gravity, that's really funny. It's really exactly the same thing. And you, then you have to ask, why would you need to push the idea of, of the young Earth theory? And I go to another kind of interests, which are, you know, some people have... God, this sounds so much like, sorry, I said God again. Uh, this sounds so much like a, a, a conspiracy theory. But Shouldn't you say not God? Not God, probably. My name on Twitter <laughs> is not Patrick, after all. Um, uh, there is an agenda here. Some people do want to have the Bible believed as a literal teaching. You know, it is literally true. And this also irks me a little bit, because if you even, I was going to say God, I, I didn't. Um, <laughs> if you take a, let's say something as simple as a movie, if you want to translate it from English to French, you are going to lose a lot of the nuance and meaning. And that's English to French today. The Bible was written from two to five thousand years ago in ancient languages that we don't even really understand anymore as, you know, a collection of writing and was transmitted throughout the millennia and given to us today in a form that cannot believe to be literally true. It, it, I don't understand it. I don't understand how someone could look at anything and actually believe that it actually says you know, something that is factually true. And this is what they, they, the, the, these people believe. And may I add something on, on what you said people. about the what you said <laughs> about the Bible is that not only has been translated and passed through generations, but it has also been modified by whoever was in power at the time. So sure. it has been modified uh, to have certain beliefs and probably other parts were discarded. So what we have now in this Bible, as we call it, is probably a very partial view that would be mainly uh, beneficial to whoever is uh, in power. Say. Sean, what's your, your... Oh, sorry, Kirsten, I saw the Skype <laughs> The little light green on. lights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just going, going to say that this, this again comes down to um, people believing what they're going to believe. And like... Uh, like Tom said earlier, there are in some religions there are planks within uh, within the religion that we are going to uh, go and tell other people about our religion and get other people to believe what we believe. Um, not all religions are that way, but it still comes down to believing what you're going to believe and looking for the evidence that supports that belief and being willfully ignorant of other beliefs or ideas hmm. because well, they don't support your worldview and so yeah. why pay attention to them i guess this is the main problem in trying to have an intelligent debate about anything um i, I guess the reason why i really wanted to bring this up is that it's getting beyond the field of just you know i believe this you believe that and we can agree to disagree kind of which is mm -hmm. a very acceptable conclusion in many cases 
I do feel like it's not an acceptable conclusion here because if we don't, you know, if we accept this kind of irrational thinking with the cloak of scientific uh, 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 thinking and start teaching things like that in school and start, you know, making it into a, a, a respectable way of going about uh, what we, you know, what we, I don't want to say teach our children, but what we hold as a value of our society, I do think that it is, it does become down the line somewhere very far, kind of dangerous, because if, if for example, we, we teach in school that the earth is 5,000 years old, then why is this, I guess the, the science is the only way to not to tell what is true and what is moral and what is not, but what does fit the description of reality. What and best I don't think that's the observations. Patrick. Oh, I mean, I, this is go ahead. Sean. Th these cases come up in, in a few rural states here and there, but the trend away from teaching intelligent design or anything like that, schools are are it's it's over. That's not a discussion anymore for the most part. So, and I could be wrong, but I, I tend to try and follow these things and I'm just not hearing those stories much anymore. Okay. Well, I, I don't I don't think you have to be worried. Okay. Sleep well at night, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, now, with, the, with the, the discussion is going away. But I don't think it's going to be in school curriculums. Mm -mm. The anniversary of uh, of Darwin's on on the uh, origin of species uh, really raised this again and maybe it maybe you're right Sean maybe this is the last hurrah but they were passing out on campuses copies of on the origin of species with an introduction that tried to refute it and promote intelligent design and they, it, I, I have been it, hearing it come up more often just in this year I feel like this is it's been ongoing uh, the evolution versus creation creationism or intelligent design uh, controversy is what has been really at the forefront um, I haven't really heard any of there there are people who believe in uh, what is it geocentrism so not not heliocentrism where we rotate or where we orbit around the sun but geocentrism where the earth is the center of the universe I'm sorry what? Um, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, I, I found a website a while ago. It was really interesting. They've got scientific papers that they've written and blah, 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 blah. You know, there are people who, who agree with that. There are people who believe in this young earth idea. There are people who believe in the flying spaghetti monster. None of these things are being taught in school, you know, um, but, but where it in the United States where we're seeing a problem is this evolution versus creationism um, argument. Hello. Hello. I'm just, yes. I'm just hearing some feedback. I was wondering if that was mine. Um, so the the I don't I don't and I don't see that going away anytime soon. There are lots of uh, teachers who are only teaching who are only teaching intelligent design in the classroom, and it's becoming reported more often that that's what's happening, that teachers are not teaching to the scientific curriculum standards. This is mostly happening um, in southern states, but it, you know, what happens in classrooms happens in classrooms in small towns across America. It's whatever a teacher is going to teach. And, you know, you hope that they're teaching the curriculum. The curriculum is based on uh, scientific 
scientific theories and facts at this point in time, but that's not necessarily what individuals are going to do. So you mean that some science teachers are teaching, what exactly is, I'm sorry, creationism? Is that what they are uh, teaching? Uh, it's probably more of an intelligent design uh, idea okay. that... That's probably not creationism per se, but uh, so no, what exactly I, is, I have not uh, been in those classrooms. Okay. So I don't know. <laughs> okay. So they, yeah. design as opposed to evolution. Okay. Right. So the, the, the idea that, I mean, creation, uh, I'm sorry, um, intelligent design states that the, the world was designed over thousands, uh, I mean, hundreds right, of thousands of years. That it could have taken place over the uh, evolutionary time, that mm. in the same amount of time that the universe has, has been around, that that's, the universe has been designed over this period, and that the fossil record, the way things are, that, they, that all of the mechanisms to get to where man is, it's not evolution, it's design, and that it has been planned by an intelligent creator. So could it Here, Here's that Wikipedia. Intelligent design is the assertion that certain features of the universe and of living things are best explained by an intelligent cause, not an undirected process such as natural selection. So, so it's the saying idea. the way we are today could not have happened hmm. through without an intelligent designer overseeing it and getting us to where we are today. So, for example, yeah, it's based it's on the crux of irreducible complexity. Hmm. So, so yeah. that we are too complex, that there's no way that random mutation could have led to the complex creatures that we that we are, and that the complex world that we live in. Right. Well, it I had guess, to. There had to be that watchmaker hmm. who who did, like for example, the common ancestor that apes and we share. Uh, at some point, there was that common ancestor, and the, God looked upon it and said, well, I'm going to snap my fingers, and he's going to evolve into ape on one side and, and uh, you know, man on the other side. And he was watching all along. That's the idea, I guess. So, well, that well happened, that actually, that's a much before, more, that's a much more reasonable way of doing it. <laughs> because that actually you, you just married evolution to intelligent design and said yeah. you can believe both and that's yeah. actually not what intelligent design proponents usually want you to do because i actually feel like that's fine if you think that the reason we have evolution is because of a divine spark or god's guidance i'm fine with that that's mm -hmm. you know that that's your own belief and that that actually nicely neatly separates the science from the religion it says you know what the reason behind science is god and that that's fine. But what intelligent design usually tends to do is says, actually, evolution doesn't happen. And natural selection, if it happens at all, is very limited. And humans did not evolve from apes. We were created in whole by an intelligent designer. So at one point, uh, let's say 50, 60,000 years ago, the same God did snap his finger, but he didn't, his fingers, but he didn't uh, uh, evolve, you know, monkey apes into man, but just created man uh, right there at that point whole. Yes. She man. just okay. said, I want a man and a woman, and boom, she got what she wanted. I love it. You, <laughs> you used the feminine there. Julio, you were trying to say something, and, and Tom rudely interrupted you. Sorry, Julio. No, I was rudely <laughs> interrupting uh, Tom. Uh, no, I don't remember what I was going to say, but I, I have been thinking about this um, 
that now that we're discussing intelligent design and and, and the 5,000 year old uh, earth uh, belief and these people that uh, to be honest I, I think I have never meet, met anyone uh, in my life who actually believes that, that the, the earth is 5,000 years old but uh, if so and they see all these uh, uh, th scientific theories that are based on the earth being older and can we call them facts or I don't know uh, wh how, how I mean my question is uh, if you are actually believing that the, the earth is this old and you're willfully rejecting any kind of evidence that's the word I was looking for evidence uh, does that make you more religious if you if you know that the evidence is there but you choose not to believe it anyhow uh, was I, that too complex hmm. no I think I think it it's goes back to the reason why this idea is being put forth and uh, defended so harshly is because for some people who believe that the uh, Bible is literally true, they need every part of the Bible to be literally true. I, I understand that they live at, out some of them, some parts that are too controversial out. But if you don't uh, have that part, then maybe other parts are not true. And in, in the way that they would... I'm going out on a limb here. I, I just want to put a disclaimer. But maybe not uh, being against abortion or gay marriage or things like that. You know, if, if you, you root these ideas in the fact that the Bible is true, then if one part of the Bible isn't true, certainly you can put in question the others. And I think this is why people are so, you know, adamantly defending this idea over, you know, the earth is flat or whatever other. Okay, okay but maybe maybe one of the Americans can answer this to me. Uh, oh, I said Americans. I don't... <laughs> I'm North Americans. Yeah, Usans. North right. Americans. Um... When even the, the Vatican uh, acknowledges evolution, and not not even the Pope says that the Earth is five thousand years old anymore, where is this move, movement originating from? When uh, the let's say the head of Catholic, Catholics is already accepted Catholics. Well, that, that's my point. Uh, where is this originating? Many of your proponents of this. Um are probably the folks who think Catholics aren't true Christians. So, right. yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, this tends to be a fundamentalist, evangelical, Protestant kind of thing, and you get deep into that, and and Catholic isn't isn't a nice thing. Yeah, I think as a as a scientist and trying to um, you know tell people what. You know, educate people on what science has been figuring out. Science, the tool as the device for understanding the world that we live in, you know, has 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 figured out lots of mechanisms that have come to bear into as as to how the world is the way it is in the universe. We can teach people who are interested in asking questions. We can teach people who are interested in learning, but you we cannot teach people who don't want to hear it. If somebody does not want to hear what you have to say, they will not hear it. And I think that's where we are with people who very stridently believe in the young earth idea, who stridently believe in whatever it has to be. We're not going to convince them. 
There's mm-hmm. what we have to focus, who we have to focus on as educators, scientists, people in the media, writers, etc. We have to focus on the people who don't know, who maybe are asking questions going, really? Is this really what the way it works? I don't know. I mean, that's the majority of the people, I think, who are just going, really? Is that what, what is true? You can't I think talk you're someone into right. a position they were never talked into in the first place. We have to right. teach the scientific. We need to teach right, the ahead, scientific Tom. method and say, look, we don't care if evolution is true or not as scientists. We really don't. What we like yeah. is that evolution fits the observations so far. If you, as a proponent of intelligent design, can show that intelligent design fits the observations better, then science will accept it in a heartbeat. With, with some controversies and peer reviews and replicable results and, and, and all of that. But really, science is ready to change its mind all the time as new observations mm-hmm. and new data come to light. But what's happening is young earth theory and intelligent design theory don't show that they fit the observations better. They only try to cast doubt on evolution or old earth theory. Um, yep. They, make a, and that, that's not how, that's not how you, you do science. That's not how you win the debate. You win the debate by showing like, hey, here are the real shortcomings, and there are always real shortcomings with every scientific theory, and here's how my theory, my competing theory, actually fits all the observations better. And, but that's yep. not what's going on. So what we need to do is we need to teach people that scientific method and appreciation for that and say, make yep. up your own mind. But do it in a way that that works. Don't don't fall for these rhetorical tricks. Yep. Maybe we need to teach rhetoric. That would we be need to teach critical thinking for sure. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I I think that um, I the, the the most important uh, part of all of this is really education. You know, it. it I think a lot of this stems from the fact that a lot of, as you were saying, Kirsten, a lot of people don't know, and they just don't know exactly what this is about and what, how it works and what it means. And when you realize that all this science mumbo-jumbo does actually work out in the end, because, you know, you're, you're, when you do your accounting, then you do get the, the, the balance right in the end because you count right, then it extends to more and you, you, you understand things and you're, you don't fall victim to the insane blurring that is happening in, in a lot of these debates. And it's, it serves this debate specifically, but I think it also serves a lot of uh, uh, debating and, and uh, op- you know, opposing of ideas. And, and people, if they were more um, educated, would have more ability to decide for themselves what they believe. Um, but okay, I think we've been talking about uh, this. Can I, can I make a parallel that might just segue I wanted a little bit? To give you the, the the last words, Sean. But yeah, so please do. Okay. Well, I'm just as I'm hearing talk about scientific method. One of the things I understand about science, not being a scientist, is that conclusions and evidence and theories are open to correction and need to be always open to correction in the face of new evidence or new understandings. Yep. One of the reasons, probably the main reason I am religious is because I believe ethically and morally and how we live our lives, people need to be open to correction, not in terms of how they think, but how they act. And that's one of the reasons I love the Presbyterian tradition especially, is that 
I preach and I teach and I try and live to myself that I'm open to correction in how I live my life from, you know, a higher power and from, you know, God as seen in the Bible. And I think that's one of the reasons I would have a hard time being an atheist is because not that an atheist can't be open to correction, but I I wouldn't know, for me personally, as an atheist, where to be corrected from. Um, you know, I, my money, my time, lots of areas of my life are spent differently than I would if I was not a Christian. Sure. And I'm not saying better. I'm not going to make any comparison. But so, uh, if I were to try and convince someone, this is what I see the benefit or why to be religious versus an atheist, it would be that in theory, and I don't know if this happens in practice, in theory, I think people who are religious should be more open to saying, I'm doing this wrong. I need to live my life better. I guess in in that specific case, you do have a guide or, you know, a way of... It, it is certainly, I'm sure, for atheists, a little bit more difficult to find, uh, you know, you can be a little bit more lost when you don't have this shining light that, that guides you. Uh, I'm not sure that's exactly what you were alluding to, uh, Sean, but kind I, of. I see it. That, and that depends yeah. how, quote-unquote, right or true your shining light is, you know. Yeah. So there's I, all that issue. Notice that I didn't really say, you know, right or true. I just said you have a guiding light. Yes. And, yeah, so it's a... Uh, okay. Um, all right. I guess we really could be, you know, discussing this for hours and hours, and I'm, I'm <laughs> sure that it would <laughs> it would be very interesting to do so. But I think we tackled most of the uh, things I wanted to talk about. Um, and before we go, I will give, uh, give each one of you guys a chance to maybe promote your, uh, uh, your web uh, activities and where you dwell on the Internet. Uh, let's start with Mr. Ace Detect. Uh, yes. If, if after uh, you, you've heard all the crazy things I've said and you st still want to follow what I do, TomMerritt.com is probably the best place uh, to check it out. I, I put all of the different things that I do kind of in one place there. Cool. Uh, Mr. Aprea. Well, I'm definitely not as active as Tom, especially I think... Uh, no one is as active as Tom, I think. <laughs> I, I, I think he has That's some kind of deal, because if I was listening to Tom's uh, podcast one after the other, probably the days would not be enough anyway. <laughs> so I don't know how to record it. <laughs> Anyhow, deal with the devil. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I participate in a Spanish podcast uh, weekly about technology called Alternaria Semanario, which uh, probably Patrick can put the link later, because spelling sure. Awful. Yep. Uh, and then my Twitter is Aprea, A P R E A. Um, that's it. That's all I have to say. Uh, Sean, what about you? Uh, you can find my somewhat occasionally updated blog at seancoons.com, uh, S H A W N C O O N S. And you can find my Twitter at seancoons. That's about Excellent. it. Excellent. Uh, Kirsten, I know that you. No, go ahead. Yeah, I'm all over the internet, but the best place to find me is at drkiki.tv, D-R-K-I-K-I.tv, and you can follow me on Twitter at drkiki, just D-R-K-I-K-I. -K -I. 
do do people actually call you Kiki? They do. It's becoming it's becoming more of a thing every day. Really? <laughs> and this wasn't the case before, or um, in college, a, a friend of mine started calling me Kiki, and then uh, my brother had a couple of kids, and it was easier for them to say Kiki than Kirsten. And now then, my family started calling me Kiki, and then I started calling myself Kiki, and uh, that's just it where it is now. It turned into a thing. Well, it turned you, into a thing. <laughs> if you haven't heard uh, Dr. Kiki's show before, please go listen to This Week in Science. It's absolutely and uh, irrevo irrevocably fun, which makes it a pleasure to listen to. I really like it. I will second that. Twiz.org. Go listen. Right. Learn about science. <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. You're welcome. And uh, if you want to uh, talk about this show, you can go to the blog at thephiliasclub.com or just at frenchspin.com. You'll find uh, a posting for the episode uh, very soon. You can comment on the blog and you can also send me an email at phileas at frenchspin.com or follow me on Twitter at uh, notpatrick. That's my name, not Patrick. Uh, so thanks again, everyone, for being on the show. I really, really, uh, I'm really glad that we could do this. And most of all, even if you, you know, you, you guys listening agree or disagree with some of us, I understand that we're mostly in the same, uh, you know, area of belief. We're not super uh, controversial, but the most important thing is that we can debate and ar uh, argue about stuff and still keep it uh, outside of, you know, this burning fire that we have inside of us that dictates that we get angry at everything. I think it's very important. It's something that we do often on this show. And I really hope that uh, it, it inspires some of you guys out there to do the same, maybe in these uh, issues that you feel are very important to you. Uh, hopefully, we will have a tiny little effect somewhere. So again, thanks everyone for uh, listening to the show. We will be back with a regular episode in about uh, two weeks at the end of the month, at, as we usually do. And uh, we'll talk to you again at that point. Thanks again. Bye.